Now, how many of you here this morning are, are Facebook fans? Like you, if you could like Facebook, you would like Facebook. Like if you know Facebook, you'll get that. If you don't, you won't. But may, how many of you are like really like Facebook? You're on Facebook maybe once or twice a minute, <laughs> once or twice a day. Well, we know Facebook's out there. And, and this week I came across um, these things on Facebook which show up, which are called quizzes on Facebook. Maybe you've seen these. Like they have certain quizzes and they, you answer certain questions and they, they try to help you determine a, a part about your identity. Maybe like which Spice Girl are you? Or maybe you can ask a series of questions, answer a series of questions, you'll know which Disney character you are. Well, this week I, I was sent one from a friend, and I actually took it. I don't normally take those, and, and so, but this week I did. And it was the quiz on Facebook, how redneck are you? <laughs> I wanted to know how much of a redneck I was. And so I, I went, surprisingly enough... So I went on Facebook, and I began to ask, answer these questions. And these questions were there to help determine what percentage of a redneck I was. And so after, I'll give you the results in a minute. But you go through, and, and you answer the questions like how much you like camo, what do you use duct tape for, uh, WD-40, right? Like if you know what WD-40 is and its uses, like how much of that do you buy stock in WD-40? But how you answer those questions uh, determine how much of a, of, of a redneck you are. One question I remember specifically is when you think of the word dip, what do you think of? And they had some pictures of, of some dip and some dip and some dip and some dip, and I'll let you go on and figure out what dip I'm talking about. But on the, in the Facebook thing, I, I answered all the questions, and at the end of it, I came out to say that I was 28% redneck. Well, if you want to be a redneck, yeah, that's pathetic. But if you don't want to be a redneck, that's pretty good. And so it said uh, 28% redneck, and it says you ain't from around here. We'll have to keep our eye on you. So that, that's, that's my, my goal. So in my life, if I want to become a redneck, right, if, if that's my goal and I realize I'm only 28%, but I want to be full 100% redneck, then what do I have to do? Go <laughs> Just go see Hollis, and then, like, within a year, I will be 100% redneck. No, if you want to be a redneck, then there's certain things you have to do. First of all, you have to identify where you're at, so then you may have to, to begin to think about the fact that I want to be a redneck. And so then your thoughts about redneck, then you begin thinking like rednecks think, and you think that's going to impact my clothes, it's going to be impact my, my house, it's going to impact what I put in my yard and what I don't put in my yard. It's going to impact all these things about me. So you think like, you begin to think like a redneck, you begin to dress like a redneck, you begin to talk like a redneck, and eventually what's going to happen to you? You're going to be a redneck, Right? Awesome. Well, today, this morning, as we come to the passage that we're looking in, Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6, Paul's going to do something very similar to us today. Now, he's not working in our lives so that we become rednecks, but instead, Paul is going to give us a quiz or a series of questions to see how much of a slave to righteousness we are. So that's, that's the quiz today. So we're going to take a Facebook quiz, uh, a Bible quiz, and we're going to take it and lay it as a rubric over our lives to see how much of a slave to righteousness we are in ways in which we need to improve. So if you look at me in Romans chapter 6, verse 19, Paul says this. He says, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. Now, basically what he's saying is here is we jump down to 19, even though that's not where we're starting. But in verse 19, Paul is saying, I'm going to give you this analogy. This is an analogy that will help you think about your new identity. So he's given us this analogy, and he says, as this analogy, you're slaves. 
And as I'm giving this analogy, I want you to think about your new identity in Christ and allow that new identity, as you think about that new identity, to impact what you believe about yourself so that it changes what you do. In the same way we talked about the the redneck. If you want to be a redneck, it, it impacts the mind. What you think about impacts what you believe which then changes what you do. And so Paul is walking through this, and he says, this is an analogy of this. So today we're going to look at four essentials to living as a slave to righteousness. And you've got um, some notes on the back of your bulletin. Uh, So four essentials to living as a slave of righteousness. We're going to see that Paul says that we are slaves. Then he's going to say that we are slaves to whom we obey. Then he's going to say we are free to choose who our master is. And then finally, he's going to show us the product of our slavery. So let's dive in here and look in verses 15 and 16 as Paul is going to share with us how we are slaves. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. So in some ways, as we pick up verse 15, we're going to see Paul is saying that we're slaves. But in another way, he's continuing to, to ask and answer rhetorical questions. And we saw this pattern last week as, as he begins talking about grace. And he says, should we continue to sin so that grace may abound? And he says, by no means, we should not do that. And so he's going to follow that same pattern today. And we're going to see that he says, though we are not slaves to the law, should we still continue to sin? Another way of, of asking the question, does it really matter if we sin? Does it really, really matter if grace abounds more and more in our lives and God is giving us grace, does it matter if we sin? And Paul's going to say here emphatically, yes, it matters. Why does it matter? It matters if we sin because if we continue to sin, we become a slave to sin. That's what Paul's going to say. For what we know and we need to begin to understand is that grace makes us free from the bondage of sin and the law. So grace makes us free, but it doesn't free us to wander on our own path. Like grace changes us positionally, and it makes us free so that we're no longer confined to this road, but instead grace makes us free not to wander, to, to make up our own plans, to go our own way, but instead what grace does, it makes us free so that we can walk in the Lord. So Paul is here saying, you're either going to be a slave to sin, or you're going to be a slave to righteousness. Slavery is not, not slavery is not an option. Slavery is the way you will go. And again, he's using this analogy. And so it's an an important analogy that Paul uses in, in this day, because the majority of the Roman believers that Paul is writing to we're considered slave. I think someone said, uh, I was reading somewhere that said over 80% of this uh, population that Paul is writing to were slaves. So Paul is saying to people that are slaves, he's reminding them again, he's saying you are slaves. So take on this identity, take on this, and don't run away from it, but instead understand how to walk in this way as being a slave. Now, some of the slaves in Paul's day, there were two types of slaves. There were those that had entered into slavery voluntarily, but then there were also those that were slaves against their own will. Now, this idea of of slavery may be challenging for us. 
may be challenging for us to, to, to place ourselves in this passage and say, well, I'm supposed to be a slave. What, is, what does that mean? What does that look like? We're supposed to, like we live in America where we're free. Like to be a slave is not a good thing. And so how do I wrap my mind around this? How do I understand this identity that Paul is talking about? And let me give you some ways just to think about this. You know, even though we are free in America, we're really not free. Like you're free, but you're really not free. Like how many of you are free from paying taxes? Anyone here free from paying taxes? No. So you're free, but being a citizen means that there's certain obligations that you have. You have to pay taxes. How many of you who are free don't have to work? Don't want to work. Like, you may not want to work, but if you want to eat, you got to work, right? If you want to, you want to have things, you've got, to, you've got to work. So really, in reality, we understand what Paul is talking about because what it is that we, we may have freedom, as, as Paul says, that we are free in Christ, but there are certain things that we still strap our lives to. There are certain things that make us, that determine what we do and how we live. And what Paul is saying here that we're a slave either to righteousness or we're a slave to sin. So we are slaves. Second thing I want us to see is that we are slaves to whom we obey. Look with me in verse 16 again in verse 18, down to verse 18. Do you not know that you who present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you're slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness. So he begins with this question as he's trying to help us understand that we are slaves to whom we obey. That's the second point. We are slaves to whom we obey. You want to know who you're a slave to? Just look at what you do. Look at your life. Look at the, the decisions that you make, the places that you go, and that will tell you who you are a slave to. And Paul says, do you not know that the person that you give yourself to, you become obedient to that person? You do what the person that you've chosen to lash your life to does. And for believers, there are only two options. There are only two masters in our lives, which we have the opportunity to choose to give ourselves over to. It's either to a life of sin or to a life of, of obedience. And he says quite clearly here, if we give ourselves over to sin, that leads to death. If we give ourselves over to obedience, that leads to righteousness. He reminds us of who we used to be. He says, you once were slaves to sin. You were slaves against your own will. So before in our lives, we, were, we didn't have the opportunity to choose who we were slaves to. When we were born, as we saw earlier in this passage of Romans, that when we were born, we're born into the slavery, the slavery that Adam brought about. And we were slaves against our will because we were born into it. And because of that, we lived a life that was obedient to sin. We followed our own passions, we followed lust, we followed pride, we followed envy, we followed anger, we used people for our own gain, and we were headed straight for death. That's what Paul says. Those things were what we chose or were chosen for us to slave our lives to, what we were connected with. But then in verse 17, we see, but we've been set free from this. We've been set free from this, so no longer are we um, involuntary slaves, but we have been given the right to be voluntary. 
He says, you've been set free from sin. But not only did he give, set us free from sin in verse 17, but he set us free with a purpose. Our purpose was not to wander. Our purpose was not to go do our own thing. But our purpose that we were freed from was to do righteousness. We were to do things of the Lord. We were to do the acts of the Lord. We were to live more like Christ. And we were to do this through obedience. Love verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching that you, to which you are committed. These Roman believers that, that Paul is talking to, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the complete law of God and the words of the Lord in all of the teachings of Christ. They didn't have it completely, but they knew that their new life in Christ was subject to the standard of teaching. They knew when they went from being a dead person to being alive, when they knew that when they gave their life over to Jesus Christ and by faith trusted in him, that their lives came under or were subject to the standard of teaching. Now, the standard of teaching at their time and their day was, were the teachings of Jesus, were the teachings uh, uh, through the Holy Spirit that were handed down orally. So they knew what it meant to live a life unto the Lord. They knew what it meant and what God desired for them. They knew that their life was to be holy. Now we today, we, we have more than just the standard of teaching. We have the full revelation of the Lord. We have the full, complete acts of God so that we can know him in an intimate way. And so we even have more information that they did. And this information that we know and this word that we have should enter into our ears, should enter into our eyes, should enter into our heart and bring about an amazing change in our lives. We can look at 1 Peter 1.16 and know the desire of the Lord, the command of the Lord. 1 Peter 1.16 says, You shall be holy, for I am holy. That is the standard of teaching to which we have been committed. And when you come into a relationship with the Lord, the Lord's purpose for your life is to be holy. Not to be your own way, not to, not to determine your own identity, not to be the person that you want to be. It's to be the person that God has made you to be, and it's to come under the way the Lord wants to do it in you, this process in which the Lord wants you to come about. You see, when we come into faith in the Lord, we are to exchange one master for another. We are to give up the master of this world and allow the Lord, the God of the universe, to be our master. We are set free so that we can actually live the life that the law requires. We've been set free so we actually can live a holy life. Before we know Christ, we have absolutely no ability to live a righteous life. You have absolutely no power. You have no direction. You have no meaning, no purpose for trying to live a righteous life. But when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God gives you this ability to live a holy life. And how do we do it? We do it through hitching our lives to Christ. We do it through taking the chains that we've had in our lives to surrounding ourselves with sinfulness, our lusts and our flesh, and we take it and we, we just allow ourselves to be shackled to Christ. And through this process of time, we become holy. 
You see, the, the freedom that was brought by grace does not provide us a free license to sin. On the contrary, the grace that we live in places the believers under obligation to live holy lives and to grow in righteousness. I'll say that again. Grace that, 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 that we have and that we've experienced does not give us a license to sin, but grace places each believer under the obligation to holiness and growth and righteousness. It's, it's, it's almost like, like this. This is how grace, grace works in our life. Now, this is a, an illustration. It's going to break down along the way, but, but as we think about how grace operates in our lives, I want you to think of it this way. So when we come to faith in Christ, it's almost as though the Lord places us on a number line. Now, you guys know a number line? Like numbers, on, for my case, numbers that are positive will be on this way, and numbers that are negative will be this way. So what the Lord does, he places us on the line, and he places us at zero on the number line. So you're at zero. So you're, you're not bad, or you're not good, you're not positive, you're not negative, you're just in right, you're in right standing. You're in a, pos- a perfect place. Not a positive place, but you're in a perfect place. So he places us on the number line. And then what he says is, is the purpose in your life is to live this way. I want you to live positive. And the more you walk down this road, the more I walk in you through this way, you'll become more and more like Christ and less and less like yourself. Like, so that's, that's this. So this is a positive move towards holiness. That's the way the Lord wants us to live. But then in our lives, when we, we choose to slave ourselves to righteousness, there's a pull in our heart to go this way. Like we want to start going back this old way, but you know what the grace of God doesn't allow us to do? The grace of God says, you may continue to sin, but I'm bringing you back. You may have this tendency to go this way, but grace in our lives will continually, continually bring us back. So we'll always, 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 always be in right standing with God. Like that's cool, right? So you can't go back here. There's no way you're done. You're put in this line. You're here. But your sin in your life keeps you here. You can't pursue holiness when you're right here because grace is keeping you where you're at so you don't take steps backwards. Does that make sense? That's how grace in our lives works. But Paul is saying here, and the word of God is encouraging us, that don't just live just in grace. Don't allow grace just to be the place where you stand. Because as you're just standing in grace, you're not pursuing godliness. You're not pursuing righteousness. You're not pursuing holiness. But Christ has set us free so we don't just have to be in right standing with God, but that we can run after Christ and become more and more like him. So we come under the standard of teaching. But we see here that not only does he give us the standard of teaching, but he doesn't just expect and, and have us obligated to live holy lives. We see here the, the believers in Rome that this came from the heart. What takes place in our lives is not only do we know that we're supposed to live this way, but we have a heart that it has changed, a heart that is transformed to desire this. That's what happens at the moment of salvation. Your heart changes from having a desire to do the things of this world, to, to live this way. Your heart changes so that you desire the Lord. So we are slave to whom we obey. If you want to know where your heart is today, just look at your life and whom it is that you're obeying. Like, look at your life this week. Was your life a life that was pursuing holiness? Or are you pursuing your own passions, your own desires, doing your own things? That'll tell you who your master is. I want us to see also this essential to living this life as a slave. We need to understand that we are free to choose our master. 
we are free to choose our master. Look with me at the second part of verse 19. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to limitation or to lawlessness, leading to more and more law, more and more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. So we are free to choose our master. We have the freedom gives us the ability to voluntarily present our bodies to whom we want to be a slave to. That's what Christ has done. He's given us this freedom to choose. Now, he's going to do the work in us. He's going to bring about the change. But what he's given us is the ability to choose whom we want to follow. We have have the ability and the opportunity to determine what we do with our members. Now, we began talking about this idea, this this word members last week. But I want to remind you that members, again, is, is our being. It's all the separate parts of us that are combined together as one. So they're the separate parts, but it's the, the, the collective whole. Things like our mind, that's part of our members. Our heart is one of our members. Our will is a member. Our passions is a member. Our hands are a members. Our eyes are members. Our ears, our tongues, our feet, our legs, our stomach, our toenails, our nose hairs. Those are all the members that he's talking about here. It's all of us. And he's saying, as members, you've been free to choose what you do with your members. And he says, before... You gave your members to impurity. You gave every parts of who you were. You, you gave it over. You gave your eyes. You gave your ears. You gave your nose hair, your ears hair. You gave everything that you were. You gave it over to impurity. And to, you were a slave to this. And what he says is when you did this, that gave birth to lawlessness. When you gave sin your hands, when you gave sin your eyes, when you gave sin your ears, what produced from that or what came out of that was lawlessness. It went totally against everything that the law is about and everything that the Lord wants you to be. It says you gave, it gave birth to lawlessness. And if you see here, what did happen of that? The, which That led to more lawlessness. So you're sinking in this life and filling your life with more and more and more and more lawlessness. But then he says, but now... That's how you used to live. Don't do that anymore. You don't have to live that way. You're free. He says, now present your members. Present all of who you are unto the Lord. Give them your eyes, your ears, your heart, your passions, your will, your tongue. Give it all unto the Lord. For the Lord does not want just a piece of us. He doesn't want just our eyes or just our hands. He wants all of us. He wants all of our members. I see this over and over and over again, and I experience it in my own life, in my own walk towards the Lord. There are times in our lives where we think that we can give God 90% of us. Like we say, you know, God, I want to follow you. I want to do what you want. I want to be who you want me to be. And I know you want to do this work in me. And so I'm going to choose to give you 90% of myself. You can have 90% of me, but I'm going to keep 10% for myself. I'm going to keep, God, you can have my life, but God, I'm choosing my wife. Like, I'm going to keep that for myself. That's my decision. You can have everything else, my job, where I live, how I live, how many kids, I don't care. But God, I'm keeping this unto myself. 10%, I'm going to choose my wife. 
You see that when we do that, that is sin. And that 10% that we hold back and we follow the logic here, what happens to that 10% is that 10% that we keep back from the Lord is going to produce what? Lawlessness. And that lawlessness is going to give birth to what? More lawlessness. And that lawlessness is going to give birth to more and more lawlessness. And that 10% that we held back from the Lord is going to grow and it's going to grow and it's going to grow and it's going to push out the rest of that till inevitably we're standing back at zero and our lives are broken and we know the Lord is far from us because we've chosen to be far away from him. Any percentage that we hold back from the Lord makes us a slave to sin. You cannot serve two masters. And that is the biggest indictment of believers today. As believers, we are holding back. God, you can have all of me, but you can't have my eyes. God, you can have all of me, but you can't have my free time. God, you can have all of me, but you can't choose where I live. God, you can't choose what car I drive. God, you can't choose. And so we continue to do this. Instead, we need to be believers that just present our members unto the Lord and say, this is all of me. I am all in. I am all at your feet. For we see here, as slaves to righteousness, what does is it leads to sanctification. When we give ourselves completely to God, he he slowly begins to transform our members into useful vessels. That's what happens. That's the beauty of what this is. It's not us doing the work. It's us submitting ourselves unto the Lord and the Lord beginning to do this work. He slowly transforms ourselves so that our members begin to look less like us and more like Christ. He begins to transform our mind. He begins to take the way that we we think and he changes that so we no longer think the way the world thinks. We think the way the Lord thinks. We no longer have a heart that desires the things of this world, but we have a heart that desires the things of Lord. We have a will that is choosing not to run after the things of this world, but we have a will that chooses to chase after God. We have passions, passions that, that we can pursue that are holy and righteousness, passions that are of the Lord. God takes our hands and he uses our hands as vessels of worship. He takes our eyes and allows our eyes to see people in need. He takes our ears and allows us to want to hear things that are uplifting and encouraging. Slaves of righteousness, that leads us to sanctification. He does the work. Lastly, I want us to see the product of our slavery. What is born out of our slavery? Whom we choose to shackle our lives to always produces something. Look with me in verse 20. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit that leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Paul's very quick here to show us the product of our slavery. He says the product here is what we make. When sin was our master, we were free from righteousness, from, from righteousness what he's saying here. And what, that, what he means by that is we were free 
from living holy lives means more clearly that we could not live holy lives when we were slaves to sin. And because sin was our master, our lives produced the fruit of sin. And what he goes on to say is this fruit that we live for brought about shame. The sin that we did brought about shame and inevitably it brought about death. So there's a direct correlation here. You're slave to sin. It's going to bring about lawlessness, but then it's also going to bring about shame and that's going to lead to death. The reality of this is that shame always follows sin. Shame always follows sin. And when we're not walking with the Lord, what the world sees is when this shame enters in, the way that the world responds to shame is by running away from truth and hiding ourselves in falseness. I mean, just think about what took place in the garden when Adam and Eve really realized that they had sinned from the Lord. When the Lord said, don't eat of this fruit, they ate of this fruit. And what is the first thing they did? The Bible says they hid in the garden and they covered themselves. Shame entered in the world at that moment where they realized that they had a relationship with the Lord that was destroyed and they were shamed by their sin, by their thoughts and by their actions. And shame always leads us further from God. Because when we live in this place of shame, we don't want to be close to God because we think God will hate us. We think God is angry with us. We think God doesn't love us. And we learned last week's and the weeks before that is that we have peace with God. And so when shame enters in your life, you can be assured that you're not walking with the Lord. But when sh- if shame does enter in your life, we see that you should respond in a very, very different way. For the believer doesn't have to run from the Lord when they sin. But the believer runs to God. For they know when they run to God, that's where grace is. That's where restoration is. That's where a new beginning begins again. Even if you have to run back to God 800 times a day, that grace will never, ever run so if the pattern of your life has been you go through your life and you begin to, to slave yourself more and more to sin. And instead of redirecting and choosing to go back to God, you say, well, I'm already so far away from God. God doesn't accept me. God doesn't love me, so I'm going to continue down in this path. Let me encourage you that as a believer, you're free to stop that pattern. You're free in that moment to say, you know what? I messed up. I sinned. I chose to go a different way. Today, I chose to slave myself to this sin thing, and it brought about fruits of lawlessness. When you realize that, our first response should be to stop where we're at and just say, Lord, I'm sorry. And he lovingly is going to say, I love you. Remember, you have peace with me. There's grace there. Like, you can't earn it. It's already done. Walk into my arms of love and let me carry you onto this right path, the right way that I want you to go. See, it says here this this product or this, this thing that we earn is not good. But this free gift, there's this free gift of grace that God gives us, which should make us want to run to him. This gift of grace, you get it. You get it the more you sin. And so it should make you want to run to him and be reminded that you are forgiven. When God is our master, we see that there's fruit. 
There's fruit, it, this fruit of, of living our lives unto the Lord. When he is our master, it produces fruit of sanctification. It also ends in eternal life. So the process of us running to God, asking God to change us and transform us, guess what happens? He does. Like he does it. When we choose to run after him, he changes us from the inside out and he begins to transform us over time. So that's the product. But I want us to see here, lastly, just this idea of payment. It shows up in verse 23, this thought of payment. Things that we receive. So the first, first part of that was things that produce, things that come from our life, whether we choose to slave ourselves to, to sin or to righteousness. Those are the things that are produced. But then there's this payment. There are things that we receive. And verse 23 pushes up a payment versus, versus a gift. And it says what we earn here through our sin is death. When you are a sinful person, what you're going to gain because of sin is death. There's an obligation there. As an employee, your employer is obligated to pay you for what you do. And when you sin, your employer, God, is obligated to give you what you deserve, which is death. But as a believer, what we gain is a gift. So it's different. There's there's this payment and this gift. This gift is different because the gift was not obligated to us. It's the beauty of the gift. The gift of grace that God extends to us was not obligated to us by us. But God granted it to us. But here's the kicker of it. Even though God granted this gift unto us, we are now obligated to this gift. Our lives have been obligated to this gift. Let me, let me explain it. Let's say, for example, today I decide that I'm a very generous guy, and I decide to give everyone here in the audience that has come a free puppy. Now, we've got all these free puppies behind the door here. They're beautiful puppies. They're loving puppies. They will love you unconditionally. They'll give you lots of love, lots of affection. They're right here behind the door. And all you got to do at the end of the service is come on up, and give, I'll give you a puppy. Okay, it's free. I've got all the shots. I'll give you a lifetime supply of food. I will give you everything you need for this puppy but it's your puppy, okay? It's a free gift. Not obligated to do anything because it's yours. I, I paid it for you. It's your puppy. Now you take that puppy home and what's that puppy gonna do in your life? It's gonna change everything, right? So the gift that you, was not obligated to you, you got it, but guess what now? That gift that you got changes everything. Like you can't go on vacation anymore without thinking about that puppy, you can't even go to bed at night without thinking, did I, did I let the dog out? Is the dog outside? Is the dog inside? Did I, let, did I take the dog for a walk? You wake up in the morning or the dog wakes you up in the morning and obligates you to take it outside to go potty, right? So you've lost your gift. Like the gift that you've been given is now directing your life. And that's exactly what God is saying about himself. This gift of grace was given to you. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. And it's everything that you need in this gift for a life that it leads unto Godliness. But your life is obligated to that gift. That gift should transform you daily. We walk in this grace. We live in this grace. And by the power of God, he changes us. So this morning, as we come to a time of close, I want to ask you just some questions to think about. And if you need someone to, to talk with these answers through, or if the Lord is leading in a way that you just need to, to talk with someone, know that I'm here uh, after service. You can come take me by the hand and say, Pastor, just, I just need to, 
there's stuff going on in my life, and I just need prayer, or I just need someone to talk to you. I, I'm here, but there are others that are here too that feel free to take them by the hand and just say, hey, can, you, can we talk? But here's some questions I want you to think about. To whom are you a slave? Based on what you do and whom you are obedient to, who are you a slave to this morning? Are you a slave to God and to righteousness, or are you still a slave unto sin? Second question is, is there a part of your life that you've been holding back? Like, God, I want you, but I don't want you to have this. Maybe your response this morning is just to identify that spot, that place, and just give it unto the Lord. Are you fully in? Are you all in this morning? Or are you still holding back? Is your life slowly becoming more and more like Christ? Like, are the, the fruits of the Spirit, the things, the evidences of the working of the Spirit inside you, are those giving birth and taking life? Are you still the same person you were eight years ago? Are you still struggling with the same sin you were eight years ago? Give it unto the Lord. That's my encouragement to you is just to spend time thinking on these things. Think on these things. Don't worry about spending the majority of your time thinking on who's going to win the Super Bowl this year. What are you going to do this weekend? Don't spend the majority of your time thinking on things that don't last, but allow God to have control of your mind so that you think on the things that he thinks on. Give your mind over to the Lord so that he can transform your thoughts so that you may be more like Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that you are true. And God, that you give us grace when we don't deserve it. And Father, that you have given us everything we need to live a life of holiness, which you call us to. That you haven't just set us free and said, okay, go live holy. But know that you've empowered us to live holy as we surrender ourselves, surrender our members unto you so that you may do this holiness work in us. Father, may we be ever ready to surrender. And may you continue this beautiful work in us. Father, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, may your word bring about a correction but also conviction and allow them to give their lives to you today so that they may know what it means to follow you. But Father, for the rest of us that are struggling in our walks with you or crawling in our walks with you. May you just invigorate us today. In Jesus' name we pray.